0: Hello, and welcome to Creativity and Chaos, a 1L2N podcast. <laughs> I am Amy, and we are joined by some particularly popping people today. Mike.
1: Like soda pop.
0: Tommy. Strawberry popping. And our particularly popping person, Liam. Yo. We are a family of creatives going through the story writing process, and we're bringing you along for the ride. Hello, my children. How are you today?
2: I'm not your child. <laughs> yeah, I, I meant that in like a... I know.
0: I don't know how I meant that, but I didn't actually in think like you're a child.
1: like a creepy dungeon master sort of way, like, I'm the big my bad evil children. guy.
2: Hello, my children.
0: I'm about to murder you all.
2: <laughs> I feel like in that situation, if someone had a low intelligence, they'd be like,
0: Mom, <laughs> is that really you?
1: Yeah. <laughs> How's everyone doing today? Got the old typing fingers out.
0: Do you just like like that's, twist yeah. them off and reattach new ones? Or is it just the thinkies oh or gosh. is it whole
2: wrists? Well, like usually whenever
1: on? I use a keyboard, it's just like smash, 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 smash. Just like whole palm in it. But, oh,
2: yeah. that's impressive, actually. How big are the buttons on your keyboard if you're whole palming it? Oh, no, I just hit all of them at once. Oh, okay. that's why I'm <laughs> so bad at games. <laughs> <laughs> mm. oh, I'm doing pretty good. Finished Spider-Man. That was a Fun game That was a good fun game If you like anything to do with Spider-Man You should play that game It's the quintessential Spider-Man game I think right now
1: My wife's gone So it's chaos in the house Dogs, How cats, messy. all of them
2: I
0: mean you only have one dog and cat Unless you got multiple while she was gone
1: mm-hmm. It's a party chaos. house <laughs>
0: It's an animal house.
1: I did buy Louie a brand new toy for $5, a little stuffed animal that squeaks. And he immediately tore that up. Like it's just in shreds on the living room floor. And I want him to look at it and know what he did.
0: I feel like he probably is just like, why hasn't the human cleaned this up yet?
1: Like, yeah. Yeah. saw I'm lazy. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, okay. So this week... Is a creative prompt week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 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 So creative prompt, if you don't know what that is, let me explain that to you real quick. Sorry, right quick. Creative prompt is where we take a word. Some of one of us roll the dice, pick a word, and then we all have to try to create prompts based off of that word. And this past month's prompt was Streak, given to us by the lovely Liam. Thank you, Liam. So what we do is we take that word and we just helps, uh, helps to get our creative juices flowing so that we can paint, draw, write, sing, create music, whatever we gonna do. And it just kinda helps push our boundaries and figure out something fun to do that's that's not the normal. So we got Streak. Tommy, I think, and myself are the only ones that did it this week mm-hmm. or month. I keep saying week, but I mean month. So do you want a rock, paper, scissor to see who goes first?
2: Is there a rock, paper, scissors in Discord? I feel like there should be.
0: I mean, I'm sure that there's emo- emojis.
3: Or, since we're on camera, we can put our hands up. Yeah, that's that's no. also and what
0: do I was a thinking.
1: rock. No. Also, you're like 20 feet away from each other. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> you have to do it on tr- Discord. You have to do it on Discord. All right, uh, just go ahead.
1: Okay, scissors, paper, rock.
2: Oh, I you win. I'm a rock. I'm a paper. All right, that was yeah, a big rating for terrible. all the parties around. <laughs> Liam
0: I'm gonna need you to introduce and do what you do best,
3: so Amy got a streak here, and he's not really known for streaks, you know uh,
0: what I don't even should I be offended by that or you know so I don't whatever who cares?
3: take that as you will. she is going to make the what we're gonna see here is the most bombastic, most craziest, the most different unique thing you have ever seen from any of these. So be the most hyped and best one. Maybe not best <laughs> oh, one. Oh boy! But that's
0: a lot of pressure.
3: One of the greatest. You'll see. It will be everything of the categories: song, story, poem. All of them into one. It'll be at least six minutes long, and will just be be fantastic.
0: Well, hopefully so you let's... got the fantastic part right. Let's see. I'll admit. There was a time when I was useless, following orders and performing my missions as directed as any good operative would. But those days grew dull, and the missions started becoming a chore. I don't know when I first noticed the change. Between one routine maintenance check and the next, my functions never seemed to register any discrepancies in my programming. But then there I was, in the process of hunting down one of you puny little things. Just a normal mission, just like all the rest. But this meat sack, (laughs) oh, it was feisty, and I had to give it chase. It was smart, well, smarter than most of you. I followed its limping trail into an abandoned warehouse, and as I turned the corner, it was waiting for me bashed my left ocular sensors to bits. Wasn't expecting that. No, (laughs) no, I was not. I'll admit, it gave me pause. Not a mortal pause, but long enough for the filth to try and swing at me once more. I stopped it, of course, dispatched the makeshift weapon from its grasp and tossed it aside. But it had gotten the better of me, and I couldn't allow that. I lunged, gripping the human's head and plunging my black metallic fingers deep into this lowly animal's eye sockets with a satisfying squelch. I squeezed until the body stopped shaking, and once it had fallen lifeless to the floor, my mission was complete. But there it was. I looked at the gore glistening. As it streaked down my hands, I couldn't help but to feel that emptiness that had always been crawling in my circuits spark a little to life. That was a continuation of my, my, my murder robot stories.
2: Murder robot
0: It's interesting. It seems to me like it
1: was a prequel almost, but I guess if it was continuation, I could see that as well.
2: Was it a different character?
0: No, this is the one, the R1754, talking to a human that it was about to murder and just like casually, like having a fun chat, just talking about itself. And he was gonna, you know, murder the human, but it was like, hey, let me do the villain thing where I tell you my life story.
1: (laughs) And then I murder you. (laughs) And then I murder you.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I like that. That's pretty fun. You're gonna have to animate these somehow. Oh boy! And put them all into like a small short story type thing. You know, have a bunch of different ones interconnected. That would be yeah. fun. Let's stuff. I mean, it was it was decently narrated. Like I didn't see any, or hear any like major flaws, and I like the modular effect that you put on it. You know, it wasn't too heavy. It's just enough to be like, okay, this is a robot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's. I didn't want it to be like too corny, but I I wanted to. I I think it's fun to you know, throughout these creative prompts to kind of continue the story. And my thought process is you kind of get little glimpses of that story here and there. And I wanted to kind of give some background to that creature, to, you know, the quote-unquote villain. And so I wanted to do it in this sort of fun way. And the first thing I heard when Streak, I immediately thought of blood dripping down somebody's hand. And I was like, well, I know who that's going to (laughs) be. So.
2: Well, so it's a fitting cuz you know you're on a streak with the Roboverse so
0: oh was it was fun.
2: fun yeah
1: you get one cookie <gasps> a cookie all right uh Liam do you got anything
3: what like projects, mm-hmm. I didn't make anything.
0: Wow. It
3: was a pretty um mm-hmm. underwhelming word, pretty bad word choice, if you'd ask me. But you're we the did one who a very picked. good choice of <laughs> words. I had a tough one with this because
1: usually with all of the projects that I've done, I've kind of been inspired by streak, like, or, you know, the word specifically. But there was something about this word that I was just like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what, uh, if I want to tell a story or make a song or, or what. So I guess he can't do them all.
0: And that's okay because it's supposed to help inspire our creativity, but if it doesn't, that's okay, too. Sometimes you just need to sit ones out, and that's yeah. all right. You don't always have to participate. If it I doesn't I inspire our in creativity,
1: so. we know we are a failure, and at
2: least we know. Facts.
0: Uh, wow. Well,
2: hey, but we literally just talked about no, learning no, no. from failure, so this is okay. Yeah. I think I I fell under a very similar boat where with a lot of these, I come up with like three or four different ideas and I'll start executing one and then I'll be like, nope, don't really enjoy that. And with my project, I kind of forced it into the word streak, or at least when I was creating it. The best way I can describe this project is that I've used one of the motifs before. It's my quote unquote D&D theme, and I like to create a bunch of different songs based off of this motif I've created but they're all very very vastly different songs so that's it's like oh I'm on a streak with these these motifs but that's like that's that's me forcing this song into the word streak because I at least wanted to have something this was also a very hard word for me so just yeah expect that
0: all right Liam do you want to real quick just intro Tommy's
3: Tommy did a project called streak
2: else is anything for me this is super catchy i love this and there's a lot of things after listen i don't know why every time i listen to it with someone else there's something i'm like oh yeah i changed this i changed that i would change this but for the most part i really liked the way it, it turned out
1: no I, I liked it in general i mean i got to work on it slightly but i didn't do nearly any of the work that tommy did on it so i like the mixture of a bunch of different styles and <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's something that's kind of like wholeheartedly unique to me, which is what I always enjoy listening to. I think that might be one of the reasons why it is catchy, because you're like, "I, I I don't really think I've heard something quite like this. Like it's got these weird like dystopian synth tones mixed with orchestral and then some sort of trap. And it's, yeah it's
2: good yeah it's it's all over the place which is kind of exactly why i love it there's no one genre you can pinpoint on it Mm -hmm. and that's why it's fun and especially it was last minute but i'm proud of that i don't even know what you'd call it digital i guess yeah yeah the digital breakdown yeah super
1: super fun that was cool when i heard that i was like oh how do you do that do you do it on a fact or is it master button we can talk about later it doesn't
2: matter but It was fun to make part of it towards the middle area, especially with the organ. It was definitely inspired by Warhammer 40K Tide. The soundtrack for that has just been, Mwah. I really enjoy how weird and strange it is. So this was partly inspired by it. I was just like, how can I make something sound weird without sounding cheesy and also good?
0: <laughs> I liked it. It seemed kind of like you're about to go into some sort of epic battle in a and d campaign, which is really fun. The only thing I would say is there's like some horns in the middle that sounded like a little off to me, but I don't know if that was just like a musical choice or if they were actually off. There was like a few notes that just seemed, I don't know, flat or sharp, I'm not sure.
1: It could have been some of the synths because they had some oh, maybe. and I might it could be wrong. They it, it, they had some harmonics that were kind of
2: It's something that I'd like to break down, go in and solo stuff out and be like, "Okay, was it this sound? Was it this sound?" Cuz I think a lot of things in this song have that not really on key note to them and it could be a lot it could be some of the sub stuff a lot of it isn't exactly tuned correctly i I think which i don't mind but it it might be off-putting
1: there was also one synth that i added to this and then i adjusted it so that it um, had an oscillator that was like offset by like a third. So it's kind of just like when you do a uh, an organ, you have different bellows that draw and they they make different harmonies with it based upon like, you know, fourth, six, eights, eighths, whatever. And I yeah. think it was kind of like that. But when it, we do it with a synth, it's a lot less natural sounding. And so it can stick out quite a bit.
0: I mean, that, yeah, I'm sure any of the things that you said, absolutely, I can go back after, you know, afterwards and go through it with you. But in general, I really liked it. Like you were saying, it is kind of catchy and has sort of elements of everything kind of mixed into it. So It's a melting pot. It's a melting pot. It was really, it was really good though. I liked it. And I, I think that concludes our creative oh, prompts. Ready? Oh Freaking Missy wasn't here, and goodness. Liam didn't do anything, and Mike's a lazy bum. Ugh.
1: We can, we can listen to my thing from last week. It's only four and a half
0: minutes. <laughs> No, 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 we'll be fine. All right. So if you have participated, you listening at wherever you're located while listening to this, if you've participated in the creative prompt, we want to know what you did. We want to hear. We want to see. We want to look at whatever it is. We want to experience your creative prompt as well. You can hit us up at one l 2 N Productions Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit. You can also hit us up on our website, which is 1L2NProductions.com. So the next person that gets to choose the word is three, Mike. Handle. Candle or handle. Handle. With an handle. With an H. With a H. <laughs> H.
1: Ooh. Handle.
2: All right. Ooh. I like this word actually. Handle.
1: I looked up right. and I saw one on my window. <laughs> and that <one's laughs> oh, <off. go>. Okay. <laughs> oh, we know mm.
0: the way Mike likes to figure out his words. So you heard it here first, folks. Handle is our next creative prompt. So get creative and get to it. And get prompting. And get, and get prompting. <laughs> get prompted. <laughs> So today we're gonna break our cardinal rule and talk about Star Wars. But before we talk about Star Wars, this is something that I notice in a lot of media and it really makes me upsetty spaghetti. Whenever somebody is really thirsty or they're in the desert and they're like lacking water or they're whatever, they'll take their canteen with like the last little dribbles of water and then they'll either like put it above their face and the water droplets will splatter everywhere and they'll be like, "Ah, no more water or they like pour out the last little droplets in front of them. And that makes me so angry because if I was that thirsty, I would be getting every last little droplet. You're just going to waste it. Like, are you kidding me? That made me so (laughs) mad this week. And so I was like, I got to say something to somebody. Were you in
1: the
2: desert this week?
0: No, Oh. Well,
2: that's disappointing. Then where'd you see it from? <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I was, I was reading a book that oh. was talking about it, but uh, so I didn't yeah, see no, it. No, but, it is, then I, it's but it's a it's very like, yeah, common thing. Yeah,
1: It's a, it's a really the, big yeah. trope, and it is very stupid when you think about it. It's like, oh, oh here's a clear way to show the audience it's empty, as opposed to them just going like this and be like, oh, and you're know, tapping it right against their face. You no, know, they have to spray it all around, <laughs> bang it on water the, the ground. Desert. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's empty. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah oh, that's terrible.
1: so i i want to start this off by saying i hate star wars and so we we kind of decided on the podcast not to talk about star wars that much just because you know it's kind of overused I listened to a bunch of different creators and a lot of them started recommending Andor to me. I believe Liam recommended it to us, which I unfortunately don't remember. I think he was the first person, but they specifically pointed out things that I thought would be very interesting. I know we put in the comments ahead of time spoilers, but I really think if, if you... Agree with our opinions of most media stuff in general, and you hear that we say you should just go watch it. Just go watch it now before you listen to the rest of this podcast because yeah, this absolutely. is gonna be super spoiler heavy. Uh, with all that being said, andor might be my favorite thing Star Wars has ever made
2: agreed i I think for me it is as the OG Star Wars hater in this podcast, it definitely is. I really was not excited. As soon as I saw the trailer for this, I thought to myself, really? The as soon as I heard the guys in rogue one, yeah. I'm like, I don't care. Another prequel, like everything to me, it just felt like it was going wrong. Or at least my preliminary thoughts about this. Was yeah, It, def- everything it
1: definitely was hits wrong. those check boxes of like, okay, it's star Wars. It's a TV show for star Wars. So that's two negatives. And then it's like, it's that oh. Cassian guy from a, prequel and then you're like oh, okay there, there's just so many check marks against it at least from my point of view where I would go this is just gonna be terrible
3: yeah when I when Star Wars did their huge announcement they announced like 10 things when I saw Andor I saw out of those things having one of the most potential now, it's pretty low because I saw almost none of these things having potential <laughs> but I thought from Rogue One I thought Andor was a pretty interesting character and I thought his background could be pretty interesting and so I thought if they do well It'll go well. But then a few shows came out, pretty bad ones. And so I was like, you know what? No, this show's not. What was I thinking? This show's not going to be that good. I saw the trailer and I was like, still probably won't be that good. I actually thought the trailer wasn't too bad, to be honest, because I saw that they're bringing in some big actors, some good actors. And I saw some scenes are like in the trailer that made me a bit interested, piqued my interest, like the course on Security Bureau, whatever. Saw that in the trailer. I was like, mm, that could be interesting. But I thought it had potential until it was drained away from me by some bad shows. I went into it with very low expectations. In my point, when I watched the show, it wasn't even Cassian that was like the most interesting thing about the show. I thought he would be because I thought he was pretty cool in Rogue One, but it was all the characters surrounding him and and, and the plot and the story that really made this show more interesting. Yeah. This is
2: one hundred percent the most character driven Star Wars product ever made it's great
1: yeah and and characters that have actual depth to them yeah. you know it, i think so often one of the big flaws with star wars is that it's all based upon the one person who can save the galaxy because they have special powers and it's cool to have, you know, an episode like that every once in a while to show somebody who's really strong. But the the whole the force, the Jedi, it's become by far the least interesting aspect of Star Wars to me because yeah. it's just like a it's a catch-all MacGuffin's to be like, hey, you can have any power, you can do anything better than other people. The thing I liked about this show is that there was extremely little amount of Star Wars in it when you compare it to every other product. Mm -hmm. And instead of telling the story about one person's rise to become this glamorous win-every-battle person to be the big hero, instead it's just telling the story of a bunch of people and circumstances are happening to them and it changes them as opposed to they are destined for something. It's more like accidents are making these people as opposed to their fate is predetermined.
2: It Funnily enough, I feel like I feel like in the lore of Star Wars, Jedis and space magic are supposed to be extremely rare, but it's what we've seen the most of. So in general, it doesn't feel rare. It feels very common. It feels like every Star Wars product has it. So seeing actual people is the rare thing in these Star Wars shows. It feels like they are the quote-unquote Jedi's. They are the rare species. So enjoying something that isn't Jedi is great. I'll take any of it. It's just average, Every well, not average, but for the most part, they're run-of-the-mill people that just want to like have some sort of change in their universe. And it feels like it belongs in the universe. It doesn't feel out of place. It doesn't feel cheesy. It feels just right.
0: As the resident Star Wars lover here, I will say Rogue One was the movie I hated the most. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of Rogue One at all. And when I heard that this show is going to be announced, same thing. I was like, I don't care. It wasn't because I think all the Star Wars shows are bad because I didn't care. I would have seen them anyways. But it was particularly because I didn't like Rogue One so much that I had no interest in seeing the show whatsoever until Mike and Tommy were both like, you have to watch this show. And I'm like, wait a minute. They both dislike Star Wars with so much passion, but they're telling me I need to see this. I'm like, oh, all right, fine. I'm so glad I watched it. It was it was so enthralling to watch. You know, you wanted to know what was going to happen next. And yes, you ultimately know how Cassian and his life ends and, and what he gets up to. But the backstory of all of it, like you're saying, it is a show about people. So it's not just mainly about him it's about all of these people that he was interacting with and connected to in some way shape or form and it made the show so much more interesting so compelling to watch even if it was just smaller moments on his timeline of his life it was still very interesting to hear and see what was happening throughout his life and how he impacted those people around him. And they just had some really interesting characters. The one, I cannot remember her name, but the one investigator lady from the Empire, Mm. she was one of my favorite characters because even though she's a bad guy you're still rooting for her you're still like yes yeah you're totally getting that promotion you you know you totally circumvented the system and you're totally getting it and you're like oh wait but you're you're the empire ultimately you're you're evil and bad, oh crap. So there is that weird like conflicting, but it's still interesting watching it from a totally different perspective of the Empire's perspective. You know, you don't, you get glimpses of like, we're just gonna fight the bad guys, which in their perspective are the rebels. But you don't really get a lot of the human interactions with people on the Empire side. So I really enjoyed having her as a character because you got more of that interaction. And yeah, the whole show was so good. It was so beautifully shot and filmed and so interesting to watch. I have to say, I know you guys will probably talk about this. Some of my favorite episodes were the prison episodes. Mm -hmm. They were so, so good. You want to know more about those episodes and... Oh, s- side note, Mike. I know. They told me. Okay.
1: It's actually annoying, <laughs> but we'll, we can get into that later. I wish I didn't know because I think it gave it more mystery and it was more fun.
2: You know, since this is a prequel, I appreciate they didn't put Andor in many situations where oh, is he or is he not going to die? Like we know he's not. This is a freaking prequel, and yeah. I really hate when prequels do that. And I think it's part of the reason why I hated Clone Wars the show so much is because they put all those characters in the oh are they going to die? Are they not? I'm like, no, they don't die here. (laughs) I've seen where they die. Yeah. I have like, I've seen where they die. So the fact that they didn't do that and they didn't focus on him as much. And they focused on all these other characters and made me care about those characters. I was like, Oh, they are in life threatening situations. And some of them just kind of got yeeted out of nowhere. Yeah. Like (laughs) it was baffling to me that they were so willing to kill off a character in this show so fast. This show
1: does two things exceptionally well. The first one is that this is the perfect example of de-escalation, which is something that Marvel Mm. films and TV shows and stuff need to really take a note from. You can't always have the galaxy ending event or the universe is going to blow up or the world's going to blow up. And this just says, no, we're going to just tell a simple story. And I think that if, if enough people watch this and they get this idea, they can see how small stories can have just as big of an impact as large, you know, big climactic ones. So they, they de-escalated everything. They brought the stakes down way, way, way lower. And mm. that helped it tremendously. Secondly, this show is a mastercraft in tension building throughout all yeah. the episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because yep. it does start off slow for like the first two episodes and introduces you to the world you know sets up a problem right away but then overall it, it keeps building on a roller coaster that goes up and then down just a little bit and up more and down a little bit throughout all of it there are some near heart pounding moments that you're watching when tie fighters are scary when yes people shooting are scary and you're going oh my gosh i you know that was just something that blew up in other star wars media so they've done a really wonderful way of building that tension. And I think that kind of goes back to that idea that characters die. It is it Nobody's safe in this because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. If all the characters got away in every episode, they kept going on and doing other things. It wouldn't have that tension because then you're not yep. worried for everybody else on screen. You already know what's going to mm-hmm. happen to Cassian. But here, you know, there's only really what. Two characters that we know about after this—that's Cassian and Mon Mothma. Yeah, and like everybody else is probably gonna die. So
2: exactly. Well, that—that—that's what they did. Such a good job on is focusing on these other characters instead of the main character Cassian. They also did
1: something really interesting with all the other characters that I enjoyed quite a bit. Is that nobody is happy. Nobody is like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's go fight the empire, which is yeah. such a stupid thing to be like if you actually want to rebel. Everybody here is pretty much miserable and they sacrifice their personal life for it. Like this is it. This is all that they do. They know that they're going to die. They know that they might not make a difference, but they just got to the point where like I have to do this. And it's, yep. it's such a, a fun way to watch as opposed to just seeing that cheesy person that's going, oh, I'm going to win. And even with the the one guy who wrote his
0: manifesto, yeah,
1: manifesto. The, the guy that wrote the manifesto, he was so idealist, and he was like, "Yes, we have to do this." And then, boom, he's dead. And then the, those ideals carry on, whereas he doesn't. So I just I like how how they do that with with tension and making everybody miserable, but still making you care about them.
2: They also introduced these characters, some of these characters in the opposite way that Star Wars likes to introduce them. Like, for example, we're always introduced to royalty or some type of like higher up position, and then we find out they're a rebel. The exact opposite happens we find we they they seem like a normal person, but then we see their disguise as royalty or as someone in a higher position. So the best example I can think of is Bix is I think I don't really necessarily enjoy her character, but if I found out that her she was like the this rich, spoiled little brat, and she kind of played that character and then she was a rebel, I would have hated her character even more. But just this the simple way of flipping how you introduce a character made me enjoy her more than I think I would have.
0: To kind of go back to Mike's point, I think that this show helped really ground the rebels for me in the sense of you know a lot of times when you have the big bad the empire and you have the rebels and they're like we're fighting for freedom and justice and truth and love and you're like oh okay whereas these people are like we're fighting cuz we have nothing left they took everything from us screw them we're going to try to get back at them yeah. and i i think that it made the rebels more relatable, and it made why they are sacrificing so much or taking so many risks more understandable. And instead of just like, yeah, they're fighting because it's the right thing to do, I'm not saying you can't fight because it's the right thing to do, but that's not going to be everybody's motivation. And so I think it is important to, for the Star Wars universe in general to have this show because it shows that people are fighting because they got beef and they're sick and tired of it. And I think that that's truly why people start fighting back is because they're sick and tired and it's not all pure of heart intentions.
2: You know? Yeah. So one of one of the best moments for me is when Luthan, or Stone Scarzard's character, just starts talking about how... I think he uses a, a line... That's like, I'm fighting for someone else's sunrise or something like that. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, because he knows he knows he's just going to die. Like, yeah, you guys are explaining. And he's just talking about how he's fighting for the next generation because this one sucks. And I loved that. I loved that so much. He also
1: specifically said, like, yeah, we want to make people miserable because, you know, we want them to be angry because that's the only way that they're going to rebel. And if they do it you know, one slow step at a time, then they're going to get comfortable with that misery. But if we do it all at once, if we make the empire like clamp down, that's going to make people rebel.
2: So well written.
1: Yeah, it, it had a lot of small setups and payoffs. It didn't do, you know, it wasn't super over the top clever writing, which I think led to its strengths. I like the fact that there were so many unglorious deaths in there where, you know, you didn't die in a dramatic fashion. It was just like you're running and boom, you get shot by a laser and you're dead. Like they just yeah. they kind of breezed over it and brought a, a, I hate to say a more gritty, realistic approach, but that's kind of what they did for Star Wars. They just they made more it more believable personable. Yeah, I really enjoyed the character of Cyril Carn. He was the investigator. Oh. oh, yeah. That's a perfect example to me of decent writing because he only needed to be in two episodes and they kept him throughout the entire thing. And they, they showed him almost as a mirror image of Cassian Mm -hmm. where Cassian was put into this situation because of stuff that happened around him. And so now he's slowly morphing into a rebel because of it. Whereas Cyril's doing the exact opposite. He wanted order and he was put into this situation and all this stuff keeps happening to him. And yes, for both of the characters, they actually choose to go in those paths a little bit more. But now, you know, Cyril's going more towards the Empire. So it's it's just a it's a really, really great way to show how a same situation can affect different people and have totally different outcomes. And it's incredibly smart writing to do it that way.
0: Can we talk about, in my opinion, the best moment of the whole show? It's where they're in the prison, and they just find out that level, the floor two was completely murdered because they found out that they weren't actually leaving the prison. They were just repositioning them to different levels. And Cassian's like, how many guards on each floor? And then Gollum was like, I can't remember his name, <laughs> but Gollum was like, 12 soldiers or something. I can't remember exactly. But that, that moment was so badass.
2: That's, it's it the perfect way a... of showing, not telling.
0: Yes, absolutely.
2: Yeah. The show does it constantly, and he doesn't say, wow, I'm really upset now. He gives in to an answer he's been withholding because you can see that he's upset. And I love that the show is is so much showing and not telling. And it also is really good at establishing a lot of world building. There there were so many little details that I loved, like all, a wall full of workers' gloves, and they were all different, and they are all like personalized. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the character at the very top of like the bell tower who would, you know, hammer that massive piece of metal and
0: is an anvil
2: An anvil. He would he would hammer the anvil and he would put on the earmuffs every time right before it. And they'd make like a specific note of doing that. And he was like a
1: ritual. And it
2: was was nice. It was just a small little
1: snippet to get you in the world. Although I do have to say there's two things And this. All right. So slightly transitions into this. One thing I was really mad because he has two hammers and he decides to kick a guard off that tower. Couldn't use one of those hammers. That would have been pretty cool.
0: Also, I think that's the only time they did the Wilhelm s- uh, scream. <laughs> that was-, was when the guard oh, was they- falling mm-hmm. off the tower. I didn't yeah. even hear
1: it. It must be like built into the stormtrooper suit. There's like an automatic <laughs> falling response. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah I like, yeah.
1: But one thing I do hate, and this is such a, a tiny, like, oh yeah, this this is what I don't like about this show, which might tell you how much I enjoyed it, <laughs> is the fact that everybody in the universe is so stupid when it comes to using their own technology. Like the way that it's always filmed is that there's a giant amount of buttons and knobs there. And then to do anything, they're just like smashing random buttons and twirling knobs a bunch. And it's like, lower the shields. And they're like, beep, 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 twist, 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 beep, 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 twist, twist. And it's like, you know, it would just be like a button that goes lower the shields. Like you don't have to do all this crazy stuff. There's one scene where Bix is in the tower and she's like doing some kind of Morse code transmission. Is
2: that Bix? Yeah, it was mm-hmm. Bix.
1: No. Yeah, it was. Yeah, there's one scene where Bix is in the tower. She's doing a Morse code style transmission. And she's just like smashing those keys back and forth in no particular order. And it's like, what are you doing? That does not look realistic at all. I think it's something that that filmmakers might need to start thinking about in the future is how people interact with technology. Star Trek had that problem a lot of times, too, because when they're just like, like, what are you doing? Like, make it more realistic of how we interact. But that is my my biggest complaint about the show. I think
2: so. Real, real quick, yeah. I accidentally confused Bix with Vel when I was talking about the spoiled little brat and how we're introduced to a rebel. That's how I was confused. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. I I just
3: realized that there. I actually thought the technology use was fine in the show. I didn't see too much of a problem with it. Like with especially when they went to the um. I thought it was fine. but I actually thought it was kind of weird. Like I didn't think they were pushing enough buttons. <laughs> When they shut down, uh, when they uh, went to that heist on, like, the dam, uh, oh, yeah. to shut down all the power, they pressed, like, two buttons. I was like, you told me Imperial-level security takes only two buttons to shut down the entire dam and it was two it wasn't even big buttons wasn't any crazy it was just buttons in the middle of them but then what they do for everything else is they're
1: like all right there's five buttons here and we're going to press the same six ones in random combinations back and forth and you're like how is that changing anything <laughs> no I, I can understand two buttons maybe not enough but pushing the same five buttons 30 times
3: way too much so there's got to be a balance in between there no, I thought um Andy Serkis' character. Keno, yeah. I think his name. Yeah. Is it Keno? Maybe. Pretty sure it's Keno. I, f- I feel like it is. Pretty sure he's my favorite character in the show, even though oh. he was barely in it. Also, it's just Andy Serkis being an amazing actor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, a way to change it from a guy who like you're like, oh, this guy's an asshole, and then you're like rooting with him until the very last moment and you're like
0: Oh,
3: I fully believe this is Snoke's origin story. <laughs> I'm <feel laughs> glad you said that. It's gotta be.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I totally forgot he was in those movies. Still,
3: huh? I really, I think Andy Serkis and the writing did a great job of showing a man trying to hold on to the little control that he has, and when he mm-hmm. realizes that he's losing it, and when he realizes that there's nothing really to fight for, he has nothing to really do once he like knows that oh shoot i'm not gonna getting out of here over that entire episode you can see him just starting to lose his mind and like trying to like grasp onto the situation yeah and by the end of it you're like he realizes oh there's there's nothing he can do he has to fight he has to give in to the people he quote unquote controls has to go against everything he's been doing for however many years. I thought it was really well done. Really good acting and really good writing combined. Made such a perfect arc for his character. And I like how at the end, you know, you know he doesn't get out. If he falls, he drowns. And if he stays in there, the Empire gets him. But you never see his character concluded. Yeah. Yep. You just see yep. the tragic ending of how much he's fought for these people and done for these people just for him to not be able to... Reap the benefits or spoils, though I guess it was probably very little people actually made it out. Yeah,
1: yeah. What I what I really am hoping for is is if the writers are smart, which it appears like they are, that he's never mentioned again. Yeah, like because they're gonna make a season two of this, and I think that's it. They're gonna make just season two. They might do more depending upon the success, but if they bring him back and he's like, "Oh my god, you made it!" It's gonna ruin the magic of the show, and it'll be so different compared to the tone of everything else that they they did.
0: Well, I think, Liam, like you were saying, is he never got to reap the benefits of what he was doing. He fought, and basically his whole life was for these other people. I think that's a good analogy for the rebellion in the first place as well, Mm -hmm. is a lot of these people are fighting for an outcome that they will not see. Mm -hmm. And I think that it helps to kind of emphasize that even on a small scale, all of these small actions help for the end goal. But the end goal is still so far off. You know, even with Cassian in Rogue One, his small action, he never gets to see the galaxy free of the Empire, but he's still such an integral part of it. And it's cool to see all of these small steps that are even just in Cassian's story to to have Cassian be able to get to that one small step in the larger part of the story. It's, it's just a cool kind of display of, yeah. I don't know, of, of how that rebellion would work.
1: To to specifically highlight what Amy talked about and what Liam talked about with the prison sequence, the show is brilliant on pacing. It is methodical and slow. And I feel like... Not in a bad way. No, no, it's great. It's it's really, really timed out well. You know, I think that's why a lot of people thought the first and second episodes were maybe a little bit too slow is because they were not used to that in Star Wars where you basically have the first three episodes are one mini story. The second three episodes are another mini story. And then the last six episodes are almost like one bigger arc with a, the prison as the, the main chunk of it. And the cool thing about that is that if it was any other TV show, if this was Star Wars made by any other person at the end of one episode, Cassian would get arrested. And at the end of the next episode, he'd be breaking out of prison. And this one's yeah. like, nope, we're going to do it over four episodes.
2: Oh, yes,
1: And it's it makes it so, so much more satisfying when it happens and it allows that yeah, tension absolutely. to build. And I, that is the brilliant part of this show is that it takes its time on everything that it needs to without being overburdened by stuff that it doesn't.
3: One thing I like about the show that I didn't think I would like is that, at least not to my memory, none of the shows left you with a big cliffhanger, a big wow, or a big whoa, what's going to happen next? It always left you wanting more, but it, it never left on just like a scene that was like huge in some kind of way. It left on a maybe like a quote or maybe like a just a somberness or like a recap of what everybody's going through or where they're at currently in the episode. but. It never had to be some crazy thing that would leave you to just like, you have to see what happens next, what happens next. You always still want to, but I was something I appreciated because usually I like cliffhangers, but this show really didn't need any. It just, it was so good with its writing that it kept you just wanting more. And I think that's partially due to its slow pace. It's mm-hmm. really good pace. I won't say it's actually too slow of a pace.
1: No, I just think it's slow in comparison to every other Star Wars thing. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's a good thing.
2: Yeah, There's a lot of details in the show. A lot of follow-up details and a lot of just good... I wouldn't say... I'm going to mention two details. And they're about... they're not necessarily tropes, but they're something I see often in shows. One detail was with Dedra when they just captured Bix and they were going to put her through that torture thing, which is... A great scene, by the way, instead of just continuing that scene where Bix comes in and she sees she sees a character that Bix cares about and starts freaking out. Dedra just says the simple line beforehand. It's like, hey, no, keep him around. I want her to see him. And it's just such a small little character moment to tell you, okay, Deja knows exactly what she's doing. And it's breaking that trope just a teeny bit. It also, she immediately is like, as soon as Bix comes in, she's like, what are you doing? Get him out of here. Yes. It doesn't seem like she's incompetent whatsoever. It doesn't seem like the team's incompetent. She did that for a very specific reason. It was like five seconds. It was five seconds and it flipped that kind of trope on its head. And another detail that really strengthens a character and shows you that they're intelligent is when Luthen goes to Saul and Luthen pulls a gun onto Saul. It's not to threaten him. It's just to get him to listen. That's it. And I love that. Most of the time it's like, oh, you're making me angry. I'm going to shoot you. No, this is just, this is a very intelligent move on Luthen's part. And uh, there's so many little details like that. And I love it. So I've got a question for everybody, because I was thinking about this, and I
1: really enjoyed watching this as a pretty much complete package. I think I I binged episode one through 10, and then 11 came out the next day, and then I waited a week and I watched episode 12. And I think it was the perfect way of watching this. I find that in complete contrast to my enjoyment of watching House of the Dragon, because I think that if I binged House of the Dragon... I would not have enjoyed it nearly as much if I didn't have that space between each episode, specifically because there was a lot of like cliff style things that happened. So I I was just curious about you all's opinion on what you think the best way to watch this was. I know almost everybody, Amy and Tommy and I almost watched it complete. Liam watched it in patches. Do you think your enjoyment would have changed if you had to wait every week is what I'm asking?
2: I actually had the ability to binge it all at once. But I think my preferred way of consuming media right now is to watch an episode a day because I can still get it and have it like sit for a moment and then I can go back the next day. I have a terrible memory. So it really helps going back the next day and be okay, yep, that's that's what I consumed. I can go the next day. Oh yeah, I remember all of that. Okay, cool. I'm watching the same show. So I, I just in twelve days, that's what I did. It was great.
3: I'd have the same. I'd agree with Tommy, probably. I mean, for this show it's pretty short episodes, and it's not an extremely high-intensive or a lot of information-consuming show. It's not either of those. So I think you could watch it one or two episodes a day or one every other day, depending on your time or whatever. It's not something that you have to wait a week for to really enjoy it, and it's, but I don't think it's something that you can really binge because it's a whole 12 episodes, and it takes a lot of time. And no matter what... A lot of people will be like, "Oh no, it's fine. Matter what, it will." I don't know. It, it, I don't. I won't say deteriorate your brain, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's it's it a less. Really it kind of it puts stress and strain on it. And
1: I, I mean, when I when I watched it, I think I watched like two or three episodes a night until I had to wait to watch episode 11, and then I had to wait a week to watch episode 12. So I'm kind of in the same right. thing, but I can't imagine sitting down and watching 12 episodes of this all at once
0: so i didn't binge all episodes (laughs) all at once i did watch the first six episodes and then the very next day i woke up and proceeded to finish the rest of the episodes for me this one was binge worthy because i did find it so compelling that i wanted to know what was going to happen because it was so interesting and you didn't really know how it was going to go and it, it was just—it was just so fascinating. I, I was so like, yeah, I absolutely want to know what happens next. So for me, I think having to wait each week for this one would have really sucked. But it also—I would have gone back. I would have been like, yes, yeah, I need the next episode. Whereas with House of Dragons, I was so bored with House of Dragons that I, did, I didn't mind having to wait each week. And then I took a very long hiatus and it wasn't until I saw Tommy watching it that I was like, yeah, I guess I'll finish it, sure. So for me, I don't mind the binging for this one because I think it was so just so good to watch and so compelling.
1: My second question then, and this is more about I've been hurt before. Do you have faith that the the season two of this will be anywhere near as good as season one.
0: No.
2: I think it's going to be something similar to Mandalorian season two, where it still is pretty, uh, pretty good. But Disney's like, look, you have to have a lightsaber in there and you have to have a force wielder in there. And I think that's what's going to happen. And I'm really tempering my expectations because I think all in all, this is a great package. I wouldn't consume another season in general because I don't need to. This is this is a wonderful little package. But I really think there's going to be some sort of disney thing going on
3: second season. I don't think the next season will be terrible. I don't think it'll be as good as this season, but I still think it'll be enjoyable with its flaws. I don't think they'll completely like Mandalorian season two, like completely go in with force users and lightsabers. And with a bunch of characters that we have been past explored or introduced. But I think they will tease us some. And they will add. They might drop in one or two in like an episode or two or whatever. I just, I don't think the writing in general will be as high or as good next season. I don't think it will be mainly those type of problems. Mm. Like previous, like big character problems. Though I think they will do it but I think they'll be able to do it not terribly. Just think in general, the writing will decrease and the characters won't be as good.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I I just, I've been burnt out on Star Wars, obviously. And knowing the things that Disney is going to want to put in, like Tommy said, they're, they're going to be like, okay, you know, yeah, you've got great ratings, but we need to hit like a million viewers per episode. So we need to now have another space battle and we need to have a lightsaber and a force user and definitely some nostalgia. Remember berries thrown in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, I, i fear that it's not going to be as complete of a product. So what I'm probably going to do is unless the next season gets really great reviews, I'm just not going to watch it. And I'm going to treat this as its own standalone thing. Because I think that the fear of missing out on something that could be as good as something you previously watched is is not something I want to participate in anymore. Like, I don't need to watch something if I'm like, well, it could be what this was. And that's why I gave up on Star Wars, because I think I had a fear of missing out in Star Wars. I, I thought I was going, oh, man, eventually it'll be good. And the only reason I went to watch this is because of the praise that some people that I really trust their opinions on started saying, yes, this is worth it. And here's the reasons why it's very little Star Wars in its Star Wars.
0: Thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Did you guys watch Andor? Are you gonna watch Andor? Why did you listen to this if you didn't watch Andor, you silly noodle? Go watch it. We spoiled so many things. What are you doing? If you've done the creative prompt as well, we would love to see again what you've done. So please show us. You can message us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit. We are one l 2 N Productions, or you can go on over to our website, which is 1L2NProductions.com. And if you like what we're doing and you want to help show your support, we do have our Patreon. You can head on over there and support us there. That would be much appreciated. And the last word of the day goes to Mike. Take it away.
1: This does not change my opinion about Star Wars in general. Okay, it's trash. It's gotten worse. Used to be fun. This is an anomaly.